Super Talk Mississippi media production. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is Jamie Creel with Shelter Insurance. Come see how we've built a name that you can trust and why it is a must to get your free quote today with our Switch and Save. Located in Ridgeland and Florida, Mississippi, give us a call, 601-992-6000. It's a great time to live in Mississippi, and we're talking about it. Welcome to the Ricky Matthews Show on Super Talk Mississippi. From the yes. TMM Digital Studio, I want to welcome you to the Ricky Matthews Show. This is the show that celebrates the people who are working to make Mississippi such a great place to live, work, and play. Today, actually, is a very special day. My show uh, debuts in uh, Jackson and in the Mississippi Delta, and I want to welcome the listeners in those areas. Uh, We're thrilled to have you join us here for the celebration of Mississippi. Now, we're going to be focusing on Thursdays initially uh, each week. But there are plans to go to more days, and uh, we look forward to moving uh, in that direction. We'll also be rolling out to other markets as well as we go forward. I've had over 900 conversations over the past three and a half years celebrating the people across this state that are doing incredibly important things. These are newsmakers. These are community leaders, entrepreneurs, volunteers, so many others. Uh, They're all working so hard, and they all share a common characteristic. They have a passion passion for Mississippi. And I believe that actually by having these conversations and and giving them the opportunity to share their passion and what they are are passionate about, that we can all learn from that. Um, Some of you actually may know me from Super Talk Outdoors, the the show that plays every Monday at uh, lunchtime to celebrate the great outdoors of Mississippi. I I say every week that Mississippi is the capital of the outdoors in America, and I really, really believe it. So I'm thrilled to, uh, to have you as listeners from Jackson and the Delta, and of course, Super Talk TV. We've been on Super Talk TV from the from the inception, so we're excited to be there as well. Hey, listen, I was looking at my history book this morning, and I saw a quote from uh, Julia Childs. And by the way, she was born back in 1912, August 1912. She was the iconic chef and the TV host. A lot of us do remember Julia Childs, but what she said was this. The measure of achievement is not winning awards. It's doing something that you appreciate, something you believe is worthwhile. You know, the people who are on this show, I can tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt that they believe that to their core. They believe they're not trying to win awards. They're trying to do something that's going to improve Mississippi, and they believe it in their heart of hearts that what they're doing is worthwhile, and, and we can all be inspired by that. So welcome to the show. I'm thrilled to have as my first guest uh, my friend, uh, someone who I've really enjoyed talking to both on Super Talk Outdoors and this show over the course of the last three years. He's now the Republican nominee for Lieutenant Governor, our, our current Lieutenant Governor, Delbert Hoseman. We're going to get a little bit behind the politics and get a little bit, get to know the man a little bit better during this conversation. That's what this show is all about. Without any further ado, let me welcome my friend, Delbert. How you doing, my friend? I'm doing great. It's good to be back in the office. We've been down here working all morning back at the Capitol. So we have that responsibility and we've been working on big things today. I know you have, and we'll get it. We'll get into some of those before we, before we get too much further. But, you know, I thought a good place to start would be this. You love this state, don't you? I do. Tell, tell me, tell me about that. Tell me about your passion for why you do what you do. Well, I think it's a lot like the, like your friends on the coast. Um, I grew up 
in small town Vicksburg, Mississippi, and rode my bike all over town and uh, played football and had a great, you know, experience there. And you know, fished on Eagle Lake, which is a uh, Oxbow Lake north of Vicksburg. And our our group uh, that that my father worked for, which is a Bernini firm, actually had a lodge up there. So I spent a lot of time fishing Eagle Lake. And uh, remember when they first let me have my own seven and a half horsepower Johnson and I'd be able to go out in the mornings by myself. I thought I was Christopher Columbus or something. And uh, I knew that lake like the back of my hand. And just growing up in Mississippi, it, there was no doubt that this is where I wanted to spend my life uh, one way or another. I didn't anticipate politics being part of that, but uh, I knew that I wanted to come back here. And of course, Lynn and I have been married 52 years and have three children. And we're proud that six of our eight grandchildren actually are in Mississippi and we've grown up here with us. So it's just a special place. Um, you know, there's the natural wonders of the, I love to see the Delta when the when the you know, cotton's blooming and the corn's rising and all that other. And I love to duck hunt, as you know, I'm a big duck hunter. But I also uh, like the coast and I went to, you know, I used to go to Bay St. Louis to St. Stanislaus in the summers and I have an affinity for the coast. And the real thing about Mississippi, Ricky, is the people. Now you can go, I, I can tell you, to come in this capital, there are thousands of people that come through here. And when I'm out roaming around, I always introduce myself and they'll be from Iowa or Wisconsin or someplace. And they'll say, we just can't believe how nice the people are. And if I've heard that one time, I've heard it a thousand times. How nice the people are. And the fact of the matter is we are. Uh, our people are the most accommodating, warm group of people. They they go to church, try to raise their families, all those things that we value are, are, are Mississippi, and that's not the same everywhere. Uh, I went off to school at Notre Dame, and, you know, I had different life experiences. I lived in New York for a year going to uh, law school up there, and so I, I, I had some opportunities to be around different times uh, when I was in the Army and whatnot, but it's not, there's no place like Mississippi, yeah, just to me anyway, I mean, that may be a personal preference, but I've I just think it's home, and I love the place. I I agree. I agree. And if there's a theme, no matter who I talk to, all across this, all across Mississippi, whether it be people who are who've made the commitment to stay here, or people who have moved here, that's the that's the common theme. And you know, you see, like for example, the the tornadoes that came through the lower delta. You see in those moments, you see after Hurricane Katrina, the way what's in the heart and souls of Mississippians and politics don't matter and race don't matter. And, you know, people help their neighbor and, and what's in the heart and soul of Mississippians really comes out. That's why and we'll get to this in a second. We won't get into this now, but that's why this this effort by political action committees and dark money, et cetera, to drive wedges into Mississippi to divide us. You know, we live in a polarized world because of the way Way media operates these days. There's so many filters everywhere. There are filters, but when you take all that stuff and set it aside for a second and see what really Mississippi is all about, you couldn't be more right. It's it's the people, the state. It's we're lucky to live here for that reason. Yeah, people make the place, and um, you know, you've got your golfing buddy or your hunting buddy or your bridge buddies or whatever, but they just make the place. We we have a heavy. Uh, uh, church affiliation in Mississippi, probably more than anywhere else in the country. I, something like 70% of our people go to some kind of uh, affiliation, church affiliation every month. And 
we just have all of these groups of people. But uh, when you homogenize all of that, it's uh, it's a spectacular place to raise a family and grow up and hopefully prosper. And it's doing really well right now. It's the best financial condition we've ever been in. Hey, Deborah, let me tell you something. Um, you, you know this, but my mother passed away three weeks ago, and she was an amazing woman and had her mind to the, to her last breath and all of that. And my sisters and I have three sisters. We're so fortunate to have had her. I I told Ann uh, a few days after after Mom died. Um, I don't know how many notes I got. I'm not I'm not exaggerating. If I said we got seven or eight hundred notes from people. I'm not exaggerating that many. And there's a common theme in so many of the messages that I got from a wide range of people with all from all kinds of political backgrounds and all kinds of demographic backgrounds, just friends I've made along the way in my career and then, you know, just being active in the community, et cetera, and being active in my church, is that there's such a strong faith in this state, man. The people that I come in contact with, they express it in so many unique and special ways. But having faith sort of at the core of the state, that's, you know, I, I don't know what people look forward to if they don't have faith. But, boy, that's a beautiful thing of Mississippi, isn't it? It is. And um, I'm privileged to get to go to church, different churches and, uh, you know, from Catholic to Pentecostal. And, uh, of course, they're quite different. Everyone in Baptist and Methodist, each one is a little different. But the common theme of all of that is a, a belief in a higher power and a belief in, in treating your neighbor, love your neighbor as yourself, and uh, as you remember from your Bible studies. And so it's, uh, it's common in Mississippi, and uh, the way they express that may vary, but the commonality is the care that people have for each other. It is very special. Okay, so we have another election coming up November the 7th. Yeah. And assuming uh, your last campaign? Oh, I don't know about that. I'm more, I'm more worried on November the 8th. Um, this will be my last campaign if I get beat, that's for sure. <laughs> so so I, I'm focused on the 8th, uh, but I am preparing for next year. I would, I would I'd have to tell you that we... We have a series of meetings already on all kinds of issues um, that are coming up. Uh, obviously, campaign financial reform is one of those. Uh, Health care is another major one. Um, a lot of education issues. Um, I, I was down, Ricky, and met with the uh, with the sheriff's department on trafficking, on human trafficking uh, that's going on on the coast, uh, mainly across the I-10 corridor. And I was just, again, just, just shocked about that. Um, and I think you'll see some some additional work by the legislature this year on our human trafficking issues that happen just by geographers, you know. We've done well recognizing the reality of that, and we can talk more about that when we get on the other side. But we're having a conversation with Lieutenant Governor Delbert Hoseman, and when we come back on the other side, we will continue the conversation. We'll see you after this. Mississippi is why he's here. This is the Ricky Matthews Show on Super Talk Mississippi. 
Welcome back to the Ricky Matthews Show from the STMM Digital Studio, the advertising and marketing arm for Supertalk Mississippi Media. It's a best-in-class digital effort. And by the way, I'm a former CEO of a digital media company, and I can tell you firsthand that uh, if you're not satisfied with your digital efforts, you ought to reach out to STMM Digital. Uh, I think you'll be glad you did. They can maybe do an assessment and get you back on track again. We're having a conversation with Lieutenant Governor Delbert Hoseman, and uh, enjoying sort of getting a little bit behind some of the headlines and getting to know the man a little bit better. And I asked you when we went to break, do you know what happens to your political future if you're reelected? And uh, you kind of hedged a little bit. But here's here's a, a thought I have. I had a, I'll tell you a quick story. I had the opportunity to get to know Trent Lott pretty well, and as a congressman, as a senator, and then as a majority Senate Majority Leader. And the way I would describe editorial boards with with uh, Trent Lott were they were a little little bit uptight you know he was you know he he was very much dot 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 very very wound tight especially when he was a majority leader and after he resigned uh, as majority leader he we had another editorial board meeting and it was the most relaxed the most focused the most forthcoming meeting we'd ever had with Trent Lott and afterwards I asked him I said gosh that was a different meeting and he said you know Ricky I feel liberated that's what I feel like. I, I, I realize I was up to, but that right now you're, I'm able to say exactly what I'm thinking, and I'm able to focus on some issues that before politically I was a little bit afraid of. You know, do you feel a little liber- liberated? Well, I tell you, the, um, it's, I'm happy to address that. It's funny people hadn't asked about that, but the first thing you feel is relief. And I will tell you why. It, I had so many people working for me. And so many people helping me and making calls and all of that things that it takes to run a statewide political event uh, that when there are hundreds of thousands of people voting, all of that. And you just don't want to disappoint those people. And to get to get over the goal line and get that particular part of the game over was a relief. If I, if I can say that, I didn't I didn't fail the people who work so hard. All my staff up there, you know a lot of them, Lee and Nathan and a lot of those, you know, most of our staff. And they're just working like dogs out here. And, and you're and you're kind of the guy in charge. You're the quarterback. And if you don't win the game, it, it really feels like you have disappointed so many people. So first thing was relief. And then you're right about the second part. Then I see a clear path, hopefully, to getting elected in November. And once we get by that, I've already started planning for what those next years are. I have a vision for those. Healthcare is going to be a major part of it. I'll just tell you, uh, I've been meeting with House members today on on that part of it. Uh, I think that we're way short on our human trafficking issues that I discussed with you earlier. Campaign finance reform is a joke in Mississippi. Uh, I mean, I don't want to get too deep into that, but we have two or three people that none of which are responsible for anything or the ones that are responsible are not doing their jobs. Well, something's going wrong when you can have a uh, million dollars drop from uh, uh, entities that were formed like the three weeks before and nobody knows where the money came from. Uh, that thing is a cancer on, on our whole political process. Uh, as long as you disclose it, I'm not, I don't care who gives money to anybody. I mean, everybody has the right to do that. But not having, not having any idea where this out-of-state dark money from Washington and Delaware and stuff is coming to Mississippi, why are they doing that? And so I, I think our campaign financial reform screams 
uh, for reform, and you should anticipate that early in the session we'll be doing that. And then we've got some other issues that are particularly bothersome to me. Uh, we, our test scores uh, and education, Ricky, we've been, as you know, we've been pumping money into Mississippi, and I've been education. I've been a leader in that, and I, I don't pay credit, it's just it's factual. We raised teacher salary, raised it again, uh, put $40 million in doing the building pro program, $100 million in the MAP formula. So we put a lot of money into education. I consider that to be the roots of the trees of the future. So as I go through all of that, I look at some of these test scores. We're better than the national average, actually, in reading. But we still got a third of our kids can't read that aren't up to the basic level. And about a third are basic and about a third are like the proficient. And that's actually better than the country. I mean, we're doing a good job, but I still I still know that for somebody to succeed, particularly in the IT age, they've got to read. So um, I, I want to make sure that we're, we're, we're addressing those issues. I want Mississippi, not just because we're better than the national average right now, uh, that's great, and that's a compliment to our teachers and whatnot, but that's not the standard for me. I want all my kids to read, and I want them all to be successful. They're not going to be successful if they don't read, and I, I think the whole country is behind on that, but we're actually ahead of most of the rest of the country. And then we're not doing what we should for special needs kids. You know, one of our one out of 50 kids is born autistic now, and we've got dyslexic issues, and all of those people have the right and uh, to, to grow and learn like you did, uh, like I, I was pleased to do. And I think our, we just kind of ignored that as one part of this. And so I think our special needs kids need to have the same opportunities you had. So there, yeah, there are a number of issues. We'll, you're going to see us dive into all of these. Uh, I'm just telling you, my vision is to have an educated workforce that can compete with China and the rest of the world, not just with Arkansas. That's not my standard. And I want health care to be where people can have health care without breaking the bank and without having to drive three or four hours for it. And I do want to have um, I do want to have campaign finance reform. Education will be a big part of this. So you'll see, I think my, the vision that I have is is the one that we will continue to to grow Mississippi as we had in the last four years. We're in the best financial condition we've ever met, like ever. We're cutting taxes and paying off debt. We've never had that before, Ricky, ever in the history since 1817 have we ever cut $525 million worth of taxes and paid $500 million worth of debt and funded education and infrastructure. So we're at this point, this pivotal point where we're very successful and I have a clear vision on where we want to go. We need to continue to reduce our taxes, continue to fund our education, continue to build our infrastructure for the future. Like we were the only state that did matching. We matched what, what cities and counties put up for ARP money, and that ended up being a billion dollars that went into water and sewer. That's not very sexy stuff to talk about, but it's the groundwork that allows us to build and have industry come and that kind of thing. So we we're such in such great shape, and I just see an opportunity for us to knock the home run. We hit a bunch of singles and doubles. Now we can really score. And so I'm, I'm hopeful uh, that the others will share our vision of that. And I'm, I'm, I'm very confident that we're going to see some outstanding years here. 
Hey, you know, one of the things, let's talk about the dark money for just a second. I, you know, I have a strong belief in our country and our democracy, and by extension, obviously, Mississippi. I have a passion for Mississippi. And as a former publisher, you know, having been a publisher 16 years of my life at some, some important, large, and successful newspapers, and then media, uh, digital media companies, I've watched digital media and digital news for many, many years, and uh, have a good understanding of how campaign finance laws uh, on the federal level and then, of course, in each of the states, how they differ. <clears throat> but what was hard for me, to be honest with you, on this particular race, this, this, this past race that you, that you won, watching all that dark money come pouring into the state around lies, we didn't know where the money was coming from, the amount of manipulation that was occurring. You look at social media. Social media is bad enough, but you think about the wedges that that money was driving in the heart of Mississippi when, uh, when you know, taking our eye off the ball, taking our eye off the ball to the kind of problems we need to be working together to solve, just dividing us. I, I can't say that strong enough, that, that this wedge that's getting driven, and it's all based on lies. And and I and I worried as I watched all that unfold. I had confidence that voters would see through it and make the right decision, but I worried that that maybe there there actually is enough money that you could spend to turn voters in a different direction based on lies. That was that is an uh, 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 that is an. Uh, uh, I'm trying to find the best word, but the bottom line is, it is the, it is the anti-democracy when something like that happens. Um, it has to just drive you crazy, not only because it was directed at you, but the impact it has on the opportunities for Mississippi to come back together again and work together to solve real problems in this state. I, I think I think that's exactly right, and the issue is not me anymore at this point. It's who the next one. Are they going to try to buy the AG's office, for example? Or are they going to try to buy the Secretary of State's office? Are they, when when the, you have this dark money show up, millions of dollars, with all due respect, uh, I think I, I'm pretty important in Mississippi, but I, I don't have any control of anything in Washington, and all this money came from Washington. So I don't vote on anything on the national security or whatever. So why are they fiddling in our in our race? And I'm I'm very concerned about that. I think disclosure is the key. And yeah, I think you'll see our new statutory scheme. You gotta tell us where the money came from. If it all came from Ricky Matthews, that's fine. If it all came from wherever, that's fine. But it's the hiding that's the problem. And then you have to empower back, the attorney. By the way. Yeah, this will come back, Ricky. This is yeah. not this is the first time, but it's coming back. Let's uh, we'll, we'll actually we'll pick it up there on the other side after we get back from break. But we're we're visiting with Lieutenant Governor Delbert Hoseman, and we'll see you after this break. We all love living in Mississippi. It's the Ricky Matthews Show on Super Talk 103.1. 
Welcome back to the Ricky Matthews Show. I like that new lead-in. This we've only used that for a couple of days, and it's got that that riff, that that guitar riff that's similar to what Robert Johnson would have done. And it's a reminder of the blues and the blues trail and the and the impact that Miss that Mississippi has had on all genres of music around the world. It's just incredible. But I love that music. Uh, we're visiting with Lieutenant Governor Delbert Hoseman. When we went to break, we we're talking about needed changes in Mississippi law around dark money, and the other thing. And you've you've addressed this already, but I'll just I'll just say it just straight up: the confusion about who's responsible. Is it the Secretary of State? Is it the AG? And because there's not you know statutory absolute, this person here is responsible. We're not able to address it. I mean, we we've had we have to watch all this money coming through, and no one's doing anything about it. We've got to correct that too, don't we? We do, and and um, we think at least four hundred sixty-five thousand was uh, illegal on the first one. I don't think any of the financial uh, reports that were filed by my opponent were accurate, uh, for which there's been no action at all by anybody that I can tell. Well, I'll, I'll take that back. Watson, uh, Secretary Watson, did refer to the Attorney General for Cromo uh, matter, but other than that, everything just sits. And so I, I think you're right. We we got to find out that make sure we're not in a big circle. He's supposed to do this, she's supposed to do that, all that other. Needs to be a clear demarcation of what it is and then what the disclosure requirements are. We we have that uh, United case, as you know, that says anybody can give as much money as they want. So that's not, I don't think we'll touch that, but I do want to know where it came from so that you can see that uh, somebody that does X is supporting Y, that kind of thing. And I'm very concerned that this is coming back if they can drop a 1.4 million or whatever the total amount was on a lieutenant governor's race here, um, uh, there's no telling what they could do on a governor or on a state treasurer for that matter. Hey, do you have any idea on who, who it was and why? We do not. And uh, we had some people try to find out and it was layered. There was a pack started in July the 6th and July the 11th. There was a pack from another pack from another pack, and then finally it ends up with a pack that has a, a company for service of process and no names. So we, we really don't know. I don't know at this point in time where it came from or, or who the support was. Um, but yeah, it's very divisive too. It was all it was all used to do negative advertising, which is so. Listen, uh, I know that party politics are unique and dynamic and complicated and all of that. But is there a party that's a little disappointed in your party for not stepping up for what's right when all that was going down? Well, they pretty much let everybody get in the ring and have it out. Uh, the party tries not to pick winners and losers, and they didn't, certainly in my race. Um, and uh, once the primary is over, they, they get more into the into that. But um, they're um, like everything else. When you have this abundance of riches, or we're we're going to have thirty six, I think, senators that are Republican will have a supermajority here, and probably in the House as well. And where you've got that, then you're going to find factions. Off, it's just it's what it's human, man. It's just the way things work. There'll be a faction that sanctuary where well, we ought to do more of this or less of that, and so then you have to manage when you have the. Uh, the hard work that was put together by everybody from Bert Yerger to Billy Munger to Clark Reed and all these others that brought the Republican Party up and the, the people that ran for office and didn't get elected and then the Fort Isis of the world and then finally Haley Barber and Phil and Tate. All of those are built on where we are today and there are factions in the party. And what we have to do is, is make sure that we our tent, as Haley Barber says, big enough to let everybody in. 
But we don't need people in here that are not Republicans. Yeah. I'm a Reagan Republican. That's how I got started in 1981, the first time I ever put my name in the hat for, uh, for a Republican office. And I just finished his autobiography uh, this last week. And we, as Reagan Republicans, we had the 11th uh, commandment, as you know, and then we also had the ability to have other people come in with other ideas and whatnot. He worked with Tip O'Neill and those kinds of things, and I think that's healthy. Uh, I think it's healthy to bring people together, and hopefully our tent will be wide enough to cover everybody. And there are there are people in the party. I sometimes wonder when I look at their Facebook post if they're have any religious background let me put it that way i i agree listen i'm uh, i'm fortunate that i can call haley barber a friend i had the honor of writing the forward to his book on america's great storm about katrina and we very much stay in touch with one another and he's been on my show a couple of times and to hear him talk about being present in the room when tip o'neill and and uh, ronald reagan would sit together after all these debates but sit together with over a drink and enjoy each other's company. Um, you know, we miss the days of where crossing the aisle was the right thing to do. Crossing the aisle and having debate that was not that was not personal in nature, where we respected one another. We can fight about the issues and about policy, but at the end of the day, we respect each other. That's a good place to be. And 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 the fact that there is a faction somewhere that suggests we should never cross the line, that we shouldn't have a big tent, we can bring people in. We're not going to solve problems problems in this state, Delbert, if we don't reach out and involve a wide range of voices, diverse voices in the solutions. That's the key to success, isn't it? Yes, it is. And as you as you look at our society, uh, you know, we're Caucasian, about 36 or 8 percent African-American on the coast. You've got Vietnamese. We have we have people that are that are coming in here that are across the border under some kind of form or fashion that are working in different industries in forest and, and the poultry industry and whatnot. And we we have a lot of different people around here and so uh, of different ethnic origins, origins. And I, I think it's important that we build our state on, on, on the values of all of them. And I, I don't, I don't see an exclusionary type process. That's, I'm not like that. And I, you know, I meet with all the senators. I'm the referee here. I don't get to vote unless there's a tie. But I meet with every one of my senators and I'll ask them what they want to do. What are your programs? And some of them I'll tell uh, some of my Democrat friends, I said, we're just not going to do that. But it's good to have the discussion and it's good to have the ability to maybe uh, uh, have have our pro pro process a little bit better and a little less contentious as you talk about and and taking ideas from everybody to make something a little bit better for everyone. We can and solve problems to do that. We yeah, we, we got problems. Way. We got healthcare problems. I'm gonna need all kinds of votes when we go to healthcare. So, so let me uh, let me let me tell you what what I've learned about you, and uh, it sort of connects to what you did uh, for a career. You're a lawyer. You, yep. you, what I've heard from people who used you as a lawyer, that you were not just a lawyer, but you were an extraordinary tax lawyer. To be an extraordinary tax lawyer, and I've met with many of them as a CEO over a long, long career. Yeah. Uh, you have to have attention to detail. You got to be really, really focused on 
crossing the T's and dotting the I's and paying attention to the things that a lot of people may not be paying attention to, but, but you're really good at that. You're, people say of you that you're often the smartest guy in the room. Um, but they also say you're a micromanager, that, that you can frustrate people because you're a micromanager. I bet when you're getting into a reelection bid, you get a lot of feedback from people, but does it change you? You know, talk, talk about how that feedback changes. I, I don't know. I still know hundreds of codes, internal revenue code sections, which are of no value to anyone that I know of. So I don't know about that. Um, you know, I've got a stack. You can see my desk and, and I read, I'm in charge of the budget committee this year. And I'll read all of those numbers and I'll ask a bunch of probing questions when they come to testify over there about what their needs are, because we continue to be, you know, want to spend taxpayers' dollars as best we can. And I guess there's probably some validity to my getting too far in the numbers. Um, I, just, that's, I don't know that I can really change that that much. We, we work usually six to seven days a week, and uh, I enjoy that. I take it home. You know, we uh, read a lot uh, there at the house, and I go through these things, and I try to make them better. And I think the legislation is better for that, and I think, I think our state is in better financial condition because of that. <laughs> at some point, you have to let people be people, and I let my committee chairs uh, have some pretty good room the way I run it up here, Ricky, I don't know if we've ever talked about this, but I have two or three different groups. Uh, when we have a big issue in the Senate, I'll have a group in here, probably six to eight at a time, maybe sometimes 10. And um, I'll, I'll, I'll go by defining the issue for them, and then I'll go around the room and I'll ask, what do you think, Senator? What do you think, Senator? Every single one gets to speak. And then I, I always give them my opinion uh, at last, I may shape it a little bit in the discussion, but I always give them my opinion at last. And I'll have maybe two or three of these groups in on particular issues. And I think that's been helpful. Uh, some would consider that micromanaging, I guess. But but the way I consider it is to get the voices of everybody together. And I will tell you clearly, out of those two or three different groups of meetings and stuff, that, that legislation will move a little one way or another, maybe different than than the way I started. Um, I've decided I never, never predict what a board meeting, you've been in hundreds of board meetings, never predict what a board of directors is going to do because you're just kidding yourself. So you need to bring all the facts there and then let percolate that human element that brings intellect to, to discussion. And I try to do that. And we, I think we pass out really good legislation. Yeah, you know what's interesting? If you contrast that with uh, past uh, lieutenant governors, and I've known you know, many over the course of more recent history, um, you you bring a level of detail that ultimately is good for the state. And I'll explain why I feel that way when we get on the other side, when we continue the conversation with Lieutenant Governor Delbert Hoseman. We'll see you after this. Matthew show on Super Talk Mississippi. 
Welcome back to the Ricky Matthews Show from the STMM Digital Studio, the digital marketing arm of Supertalk Mississippi Media. And uh, again, I want to welcome the listeners from the Delta, from Jackson, who are listening to this show. Um, you know, we're going to have the conversations about the political realm and all of that on Paul Gallo's show and on Gerard's show. My show's slightly different. And it's not to say that we won't get into the political side from time to time, but what, what I try to do is maybe have some conversations that others are not having. And I hope you've enjoyed sort of a more delving discussion with Lieutenant Governor Delbert Hoseman. One of the points I just wanted to make is this, that because you were a tax lawyer for so many years, you worked with CEOs, you worked with corporations, you knew what boards expected, you knew what accountability was all about, you felt responsible, um, you had to be prepared. And you know, some people may say you micromanage too much, but what I think is it's just a too much. It's just a, a departure from maybe more of the political approaches that your predecessors might have taken. That you're running the city, or you're running the Senate. I, I didn't mean the the city. You're running the Senate um, more like a business, more like like you're the CEO. You've got you've got division directors that that are responsible for making things happen, and those are your senators. And uh, the outcome is going to be you will be able to stand by the decisions that are made. You're not going to get tripped up by somebody slipping language into a bill because you're reading every bill. You're paying attention. You have a you have a gigantic capacity for information, and that is something you can uh, you can you can use to your favor. And I just know that about you. <clears throat> um, but that's pretty accurate, isn't it? Well, I, I think it is. I, I, I try to be the best prepared at whatever we're going into. And I have a great staff that you know out here. You know, we only have like uh, probably four or five people that actually work on stuff here. Um, we we have a very small staff. And so the, they're allocated out each one of these committees. And then they do the research. And then we meet. And then we meet with the chairman. So it's a very structured process to, to go through. But I also tell you, uh, part of that's also true because I go out to government agencies, Ricky. I mean, I've yeah. been to MDOT, and I go, I'll go sit at the desk with one of the MDOT employees and while they're designing a, a culvert or a bridge or something, and why is this taking so long? Why is it so expensive? Uh, why are you doing this? Child Protective Services. I've been over a number of times, walk through, sit down with people that are actually doing the adoptions and that kind of thing. How is this working? Why does it work better? Why is it taking so long? So in Highway Patrol, I mean, I, quite frankly, um, I will go to state agencies and I sit out, I walk down the hall and they look, they kind of look sometimes like a ghost has come over there. But I think that's the way I learn. And, I, and I'm not ashamed of that. And I, I enjoy that. I've got a meeting out. We're trying to get out to the mental hospital this uh, shortly on some things they want to do. But I physically go out there and walk around and kick the tires. And I think that's helpful. I think it's important too. Um, I, I remember going in as CEO to new new companies that I would be leading, and I'd scare people to death because they hadn't seen the CEO before. One guy came up to me one time and said, "I've seen you more in the last two weeks than I saw the other CEO in twenty years." But you know, that's I agree with you. That's the way you learn. Then by going out and seeing people, by not putting yourself above other people, be opening your ear and listening. That's the key to success. There's literally no question about that. And and, you know, the I other thing I, about when you're lieutenant governor, Delbert, you've you got a short period of time to make change happen. It's right. hard, isn't it? 
it is hard and it's difficult. And my uh, time frame is markedly different from some of my uh, government employee friends. <laughs> yeah, I, well, because there's a sense of urgency, obviously. There he is, and I don't understand why we can't do this right away. And I will tell you, some of this is having positive. I want to congratulate Brad White and the, and the highway department. About three years ago, they did $465 million worth of contracts. Uh, last year, they did $965 million. So we are effectively pushing stuff out. Child Protective Services is doing a lot better. Mental health, I've been over to their office a number of different times. We've got, we're got under a federal court order. I've probably been in the last year in, a, I'd say, a dozen hospitals. And I mean not a walkthrough. I mean sit down with the CEO and then go sit at the nursing station. Yeah. And how are we doing? What 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 do you need here? How old is your equipment? How many people are you in the beds with? All of that kind of stuff. Uh, we just really we really need to learn. I think by going out there, like one of our one of the meetings with teachers in South Pontotoc, drove to me the fact that our young people are having mental health problems in 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 the first, second, and third grade. Uh, when you sit and talk to teachers like that, just quiet in a room for two hours, I learned a lot. And so that'll be one of our programs that come, that's coming out of my South Pontotoc meeting. So I, I, I will tell you, to me, you just have to get out and listen, like you say. Hey, listen, I purposely did not dive into the health care crisis that we're having in this state. Yeah. <clears throat> I spent a lot of time in the Mississippi Delta. I'm d- deeply concerned about it. We'll spend a whole show talking about it at some point. Right. But the reality is, if I were if I were the CEO of this company called Healthcare in Mississippi, I would I would do current analysis of the situation. I'd look at best practices around the world. I would re-engineer it. I would cr- make a tight connection between sort of the triage facilities and the trauma centers, and I would I would address some of the financial concerns. But we we don't have time to get into that today, but we will talk about it in the future because it's a major issue, and we're just kind of nibbling around the edges right now. And well, we, we, won't, we won't be. So watch. Uh, I'll be appointing the chairman of our study groups. You will see these coming in the fall, our hearings. Yeah. I've got them broken down how I think they ought to be looked at, and we'll, like everything else, we'll divide it into parcels from pharmacists to hospitals from nurses to mental health. I mean, I'll, I'll get all of that done in different groups. And I think when we go in January, you'll see a uh, see, see something that you'll be proud of. I look forward to seeing that. Lieutenant Governor Delbert Hosen, it's been a pleasure. Have a great day, my friend. It's good to see you, Ricky. Thank you so it's much. It's been good to see you. We'll see you tomorrow. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.